Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and welcome to a special edition of Winchester Radio. I, I seem to be saying that a lot lately, um, and very happy about it uh, tonight. Um, our podcast is going to be uh, talking about tonight's episode called How to Win Friends and Influence Monsters with its director, Guy B. Um, so just aired on the East Coast. Um, so uh, we're still sort of kind of processing it here, but uh, we're looking forward to asking the, uh, Guy lots of questions as usual. Um, we will not be taking call-ins. Uh, give me one second, because... I see Guy. Hello. Hello. Hey, Guy. Radio. Hello. It's Guy B calling from California. Hey, Guy. Hey, how are you guys? Hi, Guy. We're good. How are you? Um, I'm good. Everything's good. Great. Wow. That was a heck of an episode. So you saw it, huh? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. We sure did. Okay. Um, Didn't you hear I, all the screaming on the East Coast? <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't write these right, but um, you can imagine my surprise when I got the script and saw the last page. Um, you know, it was a, it was a it was a very um, kind of bittersweet, you know, shoot because uh, that was probably you know the ending of the episode is probably one of the last scenes we shot of you know just sort of scheduled out that way because it was in the studio and um, yeah, it was it was uh, it was pretty surreal to shoot, but. Um, uh, anyway, there it is. Uh, hopefully, everyone won't be mad at me because I seem to be the guy that got a lot of flack for uh, Misha's exit as well. So, <laughs> but again, you know, hey, it's supernatural. Nobody ever goes away forever, as you guys know. So that's all I, I'll, yeah. all I that's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. I was taking notes during the episode, and my last note, all it said, no, in capital letters. (laughs) I know. Well, we were all, I mean, when we all read the script, everybody kind of said that. And then, you know, and then I got to read episode 10, so I sort of know what's coming next. Um, So, you know, I don't don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing for for our purposes tonight. But, um, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, this is what we love about this show and what, you know, sort of, you know, I've gotten seriously addicted to in the last, you know, my involvement in the last, you know, year and a half is that you laugh, you cry, you say no, you yell at the TV. It's it's everything entertainment should be. It's like sort of every episode is a microcosm of of why we love, uh, you know, movies and television. And so um, this this episode certainly delivered that, and it was absolutely an honor to get this script. I just, you know, again, I lucked out and got another Ben Edlund script, and. Uh, and I hope uh, everybody dug it, and whoever hasn't seen it yet, hopefully you'll dig it in about an hour and a half. Mm. Uh, you know, here's an interesting thing. When I turned in my cut of Hello, Cruel World, I was on my way to the elevator. I was done with my cut, and I was heading home, and I thought, well, you know, I better pop my head in and see if anybody's around. So they said, well, Sarah, you know, Sarah's in there in a, in a writer's meeting. So. I popped my head in the door. You know, they were like, "No, you can go ahead. You know, go go on in." So I popped my head in the door, said hi to everybody, the whole writing staff. And um, at that time, Sarah said to me, um, "How did you like um, Cameron ba- uh, Bancroft and um, Benito Martinez, who, of course, are Dr. Gaines and Edgar?" And I said, "Those guys were beyond awesome. We had the best time. We enjoyed each other." 
and had a great time. She goes, good, because you may see him again. And that was, you know, months before I went up to do it. And the other thing she told me was that there was going to be some aspect of a burger that somehow infects people. And that's sort of all I knew about it. But, um, And I kind of had an inkling of what the ending was going to be, but I didn't know 100%. And I think I got that from the boys, I think, um I think at, at the at the Vancouver convention, I think we were talking. We had dinner one night because I was up there doing Secret Circle, and they they said, uh, "I think nine is the episode that's going to end, you know, very sadly for all of us." And so I go, "What do you mean?" And so I sort of had an inkling, but you know, it wasn't in, in print till um, I got it before we started shooting. You're making me very very worried about Bobby. <laughs> yes, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, "Oh my gosh, this." Sounds very permanent. I don't like this. Yeah, I don't know. I honestly don't know because I read ten, but but beyond that, I haven't read anything. So I, I, I'm not quite sure what um, what uh, you know what what's in store for the future. But then again, you know, I mean, it, it's 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 a show where nobody stays gone for too long, and um, the possibilities are are endless with a show where you know where literally anything can happen, and it's 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 liberating because you know a lot of the stuff I do is procedural and and, and you know real life and. There's no way anybody could come back from the dead. So, you know, um, there you go. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, before, you know, before the podcast, and I was thinking, I was like, ah, they've, you know, they've kind, you know, they've hinted at killing Bobby before, but I, I really don't think he'll die. But then I got to thinking, well, they burned his house, they killed Castiel, they keep saying it. This season is back to just Sam and Dean on the road, like the first season. And I'm like, ah, this is, I'm very, I'm very worried about Bobby right now. Yeah, well, you know, look, one of the one of the rules of screenwriting is, um, you know, put your hero up at, up the, to the top of a tree and throw rocks at him and see how he reacts. And so, you know, you when you strip away the comforts of of people, um, characters and especially characters we love, then sometimes you know you get your most interesting, you know, uh, outcomes. And so I think that's sort of the idea. But again, I'm not a writer. Um, I'm a guest when I come on to do the show. I'm very happy to, you know, get whatever insight I get. But um, I don't get greedy, and um, so I don't know beyond ten. I mean, I, I have I have some inklings of I know some of you know some of the casting that's going on for I guess episode twelve that they're shooting now, which I'm very excited about. Some actor friends of mine are uh, got some really good roles, and so I'm excited about that. But but anyway, um, what else can I tell you? <laughs> Ask me questions. Um, what, one of the, one of the major questions: is, What was the goo made out of? Uh, you know, that, that was Toby. My, that was my question. <laughs> Yeah, Toby, uh, who's who's the you know the guy that's responsible for all of the prosthetic makeup and any of those effects, anything that you know any food or oozing or goo or blood or any of that stuff, you know Toby provided us with the ear that comes down in the ear you know with the earbud still in it for um, the glamper at the in the teaser. Um, you know Toby has a shop that's full of arm parts. Well, the arm you know when they find uh, when they find Phil up in the tree. Um, those are all parts that he has lying around. Of course, we you know we use them if we need them. And uh, um, but Toby came up with this concoction, and you know it's just trial and error. He uh, he tries a bunch of mixtures. He, we kind of it was described as like this gray snot like material that is basically what happens to the burgers once they're once they're left out. You know, sort of. Um, and I remember you know I, I've, there's there's a great documentary called Super Size Me where they basically have a, a McDonald's hamburger that they leave out for weeks and weeks and weeks and it doesn't like melt down but the idea would be that what if what if this stuff had you know was was had the ability to um you know turn and turn from a solid to a liquid to eventually a gas um 
so that's you know with basically that kind of uh, edict Toby went off and created and we just it was an elaborate pump system that we uh you know I, I made sure we shot it where you know he they put it he puts the plate down and they put the the they we called it a swan a tinfoil swan but I kept calling it a duck because because there was a lot of duck imagery I tried to shove into this episode um and it was just pure it was just pure luck that I got it was a turd duck and um, sandwich, which may have may or may not have been inspired by Cliff's um, barrage of uh, you know rubber duckies, um, and there is a rubber duck in the episode. I hope it's still in there. It's uh, there's a shot where um, it's when uh, um, Brandon the 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 waiter at at Biggerson's quits and he he tells off his boss and he takes his his apron off and he throws it down. There's a beer tap in the foreground, and we put like one of the gr- there's a bright green rubber duck on the top of the beer tap it was the only time you know we didn't want to get too big with it you know or too to uh put him in too many places so i said okay well let's find one good spot so we kind of had it our, our, on the prop cart and whenever I, you know we could think of a spot and then that seemed to be the perfect spot but anyway um we we put the plate down we put the the tinfoil swan we opened it up we did the whole scene and then we basically shot it from their point of view where it where it, it you know turns into the gray goo and that was, you know, an elaborate system of pumps and, and you know, the goo, and uh, we had a couple different takes on it. But, uh, yeah, that's all Toby, who is, uh, you know, our, our our special makeup effects man, who's uh, who's an ace. He, his stuff is all good. You know, in Family Matters, he did all the nails through Rick Worthy's hands and feet and all that, and he's he's a, he's a blast to work with because he's, he gets it and he's good. What was Benson actually eating? Uh, you know, I think... We came to him ahead of time. You know, the props guys have obviously Chris Cooper and Robin. They, you know, they they've how many years have they been doing this? So they always go to those guys first. And so, well, if there's anything they're eating or drinking, you know, get approval on. And so I think the special turducken burgers that were made were um, some kind of veggie pat- patty. Um, I remember Jensen saying that he kept cutting his the top of his mouth on those buns because they were. It was described in the script. It was never said in any bit of dialogue. But Chris was such a perfectionist. That he found a baker that would make what, what we, it was described as a wagon wheel ciabatta, which I had always read as the size of a wagon wheel. It's like you know oversized, and so Chris actually went and got a baker that would do a ciabatta style, you know, uh, bun, and then they did like a pretzel inlay. If you look at the close, there's like an inlay of mm-hmm. what looks like a wagon yep. wheel, and yep. I guess that was made out of a pretzel material that when you bite into it, it you know it shreds the roof of your mouth, but. Uh, Ooh. I didn't even know about it until uh, Jeff said something about it in Chicago that it was tearing the roof of his mouth. Right. But, but I think he had veggie patties, and then we had a bunch made up for the background. And um, I think they were just—I don't—I don't think it was anything too special. It was something, you know, completely edible and, and tasty that they breaded or did whatever they did to it to make it to make it uh, palatable. Palatable. And um, but yeah, it was fun. It was fun to, in prep to talk about what this thing should look like and what it should taste like, and getting tests. And the baker came down and did a little show and tell for me on the first day, and um, a lot of fun. Anyway, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, how how fun was it to have uh, Stone Dean? <laughs> oh, well, it's some of the it's some of the hardest I've laughed because we just we you know a lot of the dialogue was already there where you know he says something like. Um, you know, I don't, I don't care. You know what? I don't care that I don't care. And just, you know, right. just kind of rehearsing it ahead of time, or you know, take one or whatever, kind of finding what the good level of stoned was. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to play him, you know, too Big Lebowski. Um, but actually, probably Big Lebowski is a good example of playing stone the right way, where 
clearly you're you're feeling no pain, but but uh, and you're saying things that you probably wouldn't say if you were stone cold sober. But um, but also you don't you don't want to do it too big. Um, there's nothing worse than somebody acting drunk because they you just look, they just look like they're acting like they're drunk. So it's it's a real it's a real sign you know an art for an actor to do that. And of course you know Jensen being as good as he is had no problem sort of assimilating right into it. And, and I just had to stop myself from laughing on some of the some of the takes. And uh, I mean I don't I don't actually know that we got any crazy outtakes because I think anything that's good is probably in the in the final cut. And and to that end, you know, my cut came in almost right at time. So I, think, I don't I don't think anything got cut out. I don't really think anything wholesale or any scenes or any new. I mean, there may be some little slight things that got got trimmed, but uh, it was pretty close to time, which is which is rare. I usually like to be about five or ten minutes too long, so you can cut stuff out to to trim it up and make it lean and mean. But I think the episode was pretty pretty close to on time when I turned it in. Of course, I won't know until I see it at nine. Because once I turn it in, it's just better for me to walk away and, and enjoy it like the rest of America when it airs. So, I'm, I'm excited to see it at nine. Um, the party voice said to tell you that you can see the green rubber ducky in that scene. Okay, good, good, good. Well, I guess the the at, at Chicago, the convention, the girl that shipped that that duck to Cliff said that she heard that the green because it has like devil horns or something that was it was used in the in the in the show and I said yeah and unless it gets cut for some crazy reason you'll see it in there and if and if you don't spot it I'll tell you after it airs and so she's either listening or she'll tweet me or something and uh, but that's it um it, it made it in there yeah that was you know that was one of those things where you know another Easter egg we tried to find I mean I know I know going into it I said it'd be great to do this and this and this and you know sometimes I remember sometimes I forget and somebody will remind me and so I think that was it was like kind of sitting on the prop cart the whole time or even like we might have even called you know just radioed at the cliff and said hey bring in a duck real quick we we got a spot finally because I kept saying to Brad and and Tim the two camera operators you know think of a place to put it in where it's not too intrusive but the fans will love it and so. Um, me and I consider myself a fan, so when, when we found that spot, I was really happy about um, where it went because we didn't make a big deal of it, but it's there. Mm-hmm. You said there's other sort of duck and fowl references, and I see there was a tinfoil swan. Yeah, tinfoil swan is it's, and that was in the script, but it, you know we tried to make it look more like. And I guess there was a, a previous Biggerson's episode where they did a to-go. Pack, you know, to go sandwich, and that's like I guess sort of a normal thing. They'll, they'll wrap it up in tin foil and make it look like a swan. And so we made it look a little bit more like a duck. Um, I know that we built a sign for. You know, there's a lot of surveillance where the guys are sitting in the van with binoculars and stuff, watching. Um, you know, especially when um, when Dick Frigg and Roman shows up, and we had a sign built that Jerry, Jerry built that that was called Canard Way. It was like 2000 Canard Way, which of course is you know Canard. Um, is I guess the French, how you say duck in French. Uh, yeah. I think we panned through it real quick. I don't know if we made that big of a deal of it, um, but there was some there was some little I'm trying to think of some more of the duck references. Um, I mean, I think just the fact that it was a turducken was like the one of the big you know sort of main things in the script. I think that was pretty funny uh, just by itself. Um, and again, that was in the script, so I didn't have to do too much. But um, you know, I knew I wanted to. To do some kind of duck thing, you know, and use some of the duckies, and and and, and in fact, they used. I felt like I I had been um, usurped because I guess in the teaser of 
um, season seven time for a wedding, Tim used a bunch. They you know they shot in a real strip club called the Number Five Orange, which is like sort of a uh, a legendary um, you know stable of the uh, Vancouver nightlife. Um, not that I've ever been there, at least recently. But anyway, um, they we they, took ton, <laughs> they took a ton of ducks and they put them like on the stage. But um, I think by the time they you know boiled the, the scene down and cut it down, they, that that you never really got to see the ducks. But I was like, oh man, my I, my crazy idea about shooting the ducks is going to get used in the you know in episode eight, and I'm not going to. And so and there you go. So they didn't. They ended up not being able to really uh, see them anyway, or, or I don't know. You know, I don't. I, I was I was there when they shot the scene, but I, I left right as they started shooting. So um, I just had to go down and make sure everything. Everybody was good down at the number five orange, not because I for uh, I needed to be there for any other reason. But anyway. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, um, what else was I guess? You know, the other thing about the about the episode was that I wanted to do some research on, and we did. Speaking of like Easter eggs, was I kept doing um, uh, research, and you know, God bless Google and my iPad because I was able to do it at any time and, and kind of, you know, and when I thought of an idea, but I, I tried to find death imagery or, or symbols or even things in literature that that signify sort of. Um, I mean, I knew some of the like on the nose stuff you know, skulls and that kind of thing. But death imagery was, was something that I did some research on, and, and they're in there, but I, they're subtle too. But they talk about a bright white light, right? So there was a couple times, um, mostly with flashlights and, like, when the headlights when Ranger Rick shows up before he gets yanked into the woods. And if you'll notice, the, the, the boys don't react too much to the headlights, but Jim, um, as Bobby, sort of does a little, you know, he kind of, you know, puts his hands up to shield his eyes a little bit from the bright lights. Um, there was a bit of that. Also, fire. And I, I remember um, blocking that first scene where they talk about all the Jersey Devil stuff um, uh, with with a with a fire to Jim's back. And um, also out in the woods, we talked about. I, I, you know, again, I haven't seen the episode yet, but we talked about in the woods to ha- having uh, adding the sound effects of a crow, like a you know crow. You know, going, you know, being, mm-hmm. you know, on the soundtrack. So, so that was kind of fun to do that. And, and you know, again, I always try to latch on to something like that, either a color, or um, you know, something that that is a motif visually or audio or something like that. And so that, I did a little bit of that. So there's, I don't know, if you watch it again or watch it at nine, there's some there's some pretty cool, um, you know, real subtle sort of death imagery. Um, mm. Obviously, the color black and some other stuff and. And um, but anyway, that was that's that's the, the only other Easter egg kind of stuff I could think of. That's really it's really cool. You're not sort of a one layer director. There's always a lot of things going on. It's a very great match with Supernatural, who always has several layers of story yeah. going on. Well, I also noticed that's that really the crew cool. gets excited about it too, because and you know, like Serge or somebody, any any artist, you know, when you start talking about something that and I always talk to my actors about that. I always say, look, we're reading these black ink letters on a white page. And that's that. That's what it is. But what's fun is the stuff that, that we talk about, whether it's actor to director or director to, you know, I have a whole art department, uh, you know, Jerry's crew, um, props department, Serge, of course, who, you know, always makes the show look stunningly gorgeous. And, you know, on that, on, at that at the speed that we move that, 
still boggles my mind. But when you come to them and you say, you know, it would be cool to do something like this. I mean, we did something. I remember um, at a certain point we there was something that uh, Serge was starting to light, and I think it was the scene when they do the autopsy and the um, and the body jumps up on the table. We talked about, you know, the Serge and I are both big like uh, Blade Runner and Alien fans, and I said, you know, the thing that makes Alien so great is that you don't really, they don't spend a lot of time on the Alien. You get it in flashes and and sort of stroby images. And so, when while he was lighting that, we were talking about that. And he goes, you know what, you're right. And he walked in and started turning off lights, you know, because what what we what what we had established is that, you know, they, the in, you know the first scene, the guys come in. They hook up. Uh, they crudely take jumper cables, which was this crazy idea I had that they somehow or another were able to patch in using jumper cables, and it works for about two minutes, and then it you know it blows all every circuit, and they're in the dark again. But but when we come back again, like when they bring the sandwich back to give the sandwich the autopsy or whatever, I can't remember what order it is. Well, we said, well, by this time they let's say they have lights, which is you know sort of you know what we call God from a machine, which is. You know, sort of cinematic. You get away with some of that stuff. It may not. It may defy logic a little bit, but you can get away with it because you know we're making a movie here. It's not reality. And so, when when they brought in that body, you know, when they brought in the body of you know the the um, you know the monster that had that had ripped off Rick's arm, we said, well, you know, yeah, I guess there's some lights on. And then as we started talking, you know, Sarah kind of said, you know, what'd be great is and sort of you know based on my direction was the only light that you see of the face of the of the of, of the monster is um, from the flashes of the gun. So even like a strobe kind of thing, or we have a thing that we use called a paparazzi, which is just like a light that flashes that simulates like a like a flash on a camera. Put different colored color gels on it to give it a different you know warmth, or, or or you know put a blue gel on there to make it a little colder. But we sort of talked about that. So that was something where we said, you know, it, it, that you know where, where you you talk you talk about. You know, just what's on the page is one thing, but, you know, the great thing about this show in, in its seventh season is that, you know, Bob and Sarah's direction basically is just make it look great. Just make it kick ass. I mean, we're you know, we're not going to micromanage anything or everything you do. And, uh, you know, thank God I've done enough of them now where they, they know that hopefully I'm going to deliver. And, you know, the scripts are pretty detailed, and so, you know, I'd be a fool to, to – straight too much from the original material and so um you know there may there may be something crazy crazy idea i have and I'll, if it's i think it's out there and it might raise an eyebrow when they look at the dailies i'll i'll definitely bounce it off of uh, sarah and bob but generally they kind of let me do my thing and um i tell you as a, as a director and in episodic tv that's uh it's the absolute best scenario you can ever uh encounter and i i really appreciate all you know everything that they you know, all the support they give me when i go do an episode mm-hmm. Speaking of the monsters, the the monsters autopsy, there's all kinds of different things in that stomach. It was were most of those written in the script, or did you yeah. all come up with some of those ideas? No, it was all sort of. I mean, you know, look, we're dealing with Ben Edlin here, the, the mad professor. <laughs> you know, cat's head, um, pine cone, uh, chewing gum in the wrapper, and of course, you know, Jim and I had a black. I mean, you know, this, the dialogue for for uh, Bobby was so great. And so basically, we had this one of Toby's like torso cavities that we used. Um, God, we I know we used it in Hello, Cruel World for an autopsy, and I, I think they'd originally built it for the Mother of All Evil at the end of last season. But it's like a pretty close, you know, anatomically correct stomach 
or you know chest cavity that's that's opened up with ribs and all that stuff. So we knew we weren't going to detail it too much, but um, yeah. And Chris Cooper and the props department provided us with it was a it was a, like a a stuffed animal cat that they basically sliced the head off, and we we just kept a bucket of goo inside of it. So right before we roll, we dip everything in the goo. So we pull it out and say, okay, roll camera. And the best part, of, my favorite part of that whole thing is just while all that's going on, Jensen's basically, you know, or Dean's character is basically just sitting there wondering when he can get back, get another fix of the turducken burger while he, you know, has a, you know, a little drink. And he's so impatient, and it's, it's that, that was the best part is trying not to laugh through all of that. Yeah, the expressions on, on Sam and Bobby's faces, of course, Jim and, and Jared were just, Wonderful. They just total disbelief. <laughs> well, I kept telling those guys, treat this like it's the worst, foulest smelling thing in the world. And of course, I said to Jensen, you could, you know, it doesn't matter if you if you smell it or you don't. You don't react to anything other than that you're hungry. You want to get, you know, because now you're you're addicted to these sandwiches. That was the whole idea is that that um, whatever additive that uh, the Leviathans were putting in in the Biggerson's turducken sandwich. It was enough for people to, you know, keep going back and, and you know, eventually, t- you know, doing what they do, um, which is, you know, well, if you saw the episode, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the stomach content scene reminds me of Jaws and uh, the shark, you know, when they take everything out of the Yeah, uh, exactly. Plate. Plate. Right, exactly. Well, that was sort of the idea, and, you know, it's a little homage to that and a little nod to that. Um, and the great thing is, you know, the the um, the actor that played, um, God, I can't remember his name now, but the character's name, um, where you know they read they read his ID and it says you know 235 pounds, and they look down at you know the skinny little you know emaciated monster that they just shot out of the trees. Well, we had this idea that well, you know, it'd be great to do this kind of like jump up scare would be great they call it a kip up which is you know when when you go from a complete flat position to you basically kick your legs up as fast as you can and your whole body goes with it there's some gymnasts that can do it but you know we wanted a real stunt person because we knew we were going to put a prosthetic on them and also that we were going to squib them at some point for um what we called the um pulp fiction scene where, where the three guys just unload on on the monster and drop you know drops it right back to the table that they were doing the autopsy on well, eventually we started to think, well, why don't we get a female stunt person that has some kind of gymnastics training? And um, and we we found and, and Lou Bolo had had a, a perfect person. Her name's Atlin, and she had she's done the show before um, in a variety of different you know throughout the years as as a stunt person, female stunt person, and and um, she has a Cirque du Soleil background, and so all that kipping up and all that stuff is like second nature her to her. The problem was that the prosthetic was pretty much made you blind because it was a it, to bug those eyes out it was a, a an appliance that Toby had to put on and glue on over your eyes and you could pop the lenses out so through all the rehearsal she could see but as soon as we started rolling we popped the lenses in they were like that milky gray but uh she was awesome and you know of course we had her out in the woods as well to come out of the tree holding Rick's arm um yeah interesting <laughs> you have with this episode, you have two major dialogue scenes that are set in in a vehicle. Yeah. But it didn't feel repetitive. Was there something you did specifically to make sure that it didn't feel 
like, oh, another car scene within the same episode? Yeah, not not too much. I mean, I tried to mix them up. I tried to, you know, whoever was driving in the previous scene was now the passenger, and, you know, we sort of knew that Dean was going to be in the back sobering up for one scene and that he was going to sit up and drink coffee out of the thermos in the, uh, the other scene. Um, no, not so much, but uh, one of my favorite scenes I've ever done with those guys was, um, and it was such a foreshadowing while we shot it, and, and, and uh, Jim Beaver just took the hill on the, on the scene where um, they're talking and, um and he, you know, he says something about, you know, well, it's the one where he basically yells at Dean, and at the end he goes, I swear if you die before me, I'll kill you. And it was such a really, like, shooting it was, I, you know, I got chills, because it's basically, you know, he's kind of, it was a little bit of a foreshadow. And um, But Jim just went through that, and, you know, I go, okay, let's go tighter. I mean, we did it a bunch of times like we normally do, and um, he had the same, you know, it was like, he he just it was so good and strong, I gave him, like, no direction. I just got out of his way, and then I, it wasn't until the next day um, that I said, Jim, I, I apologize, but man, were you good in that scene yesterday? And I, I, I should have said something then, and and but I'm, I, it bothered me all night. And now I'm telling you now. And he was like, Oh, oh, okay, good, good. If you're happy, I'm happy. You know, Jim's is, is one of the most humble guys you'll ever, you know, um, encounter. And you know, uh, it, it's it, it's fun. It's always fun. And you know, the, it, it's those scenes are tough to shoot because, yeah, it's like, well, you know, nobody's moving too much and, you know, basically put a camera here and shoot through the windshield. Um, and, you know, trying to block them where they're interesting is, is always a challenge. But, uh, you know, we get we get through it and we try to make it, at the, you know, I mean, everybody's sort of on my side. I mean, if I go, well, you know, whatever we can do to make this a little different from how we did the one yesterday. And so, you know, somebody will go, well, what if I'm here? What if I, at the beginning, I come in here? Or what if I do this? And so... Usually I'm pretty open to whatever ideas, you know, uh, anybody has. And, and unless I have some, you know, violent reaction to, you know, why something shouldn't happen, I'm like, all right, well, let's try one like that or, you know, let's rehearse that. And if that works, then then, then, then let's do it. So, I mean, a lot of a lot of being a director is, is, a, lot, is a lot of times you just humble yourself and, and say, you know what, maybe my idea is not the best one. And I come in as a guest, and this, you know, this train has been going down the tracks for how many years now? So, um, I mean, I was happy to jump on and take the ride the times that I have, but a lot of times the, the regular cast and crew know a lot more than the director, and to to humble yourself and say, hey, what do you guys think is, is sometimes the best policy, and it uh, works for me. And, uh, you know, I don't have the, uh, a huge enough ego where I'm going to be insulted if, if somebody has a better idea than me, because the best idea wins usually on, on any set that I'm on. Anyway, let me take a sip of my Samuel Adams here. Hold on. <laughs> oh, wait, Sierra Nevada. What am I saying? We are not affiliated with Sierra Nevada. I knew it started with an S. Anyway. Um, yeah, so uh, so there you go. Speaking of ideas, um, during the whole um, video montage thing about um, Dick Roman, right. the... The thing at the bottom of the screen, uh, Rise of Dick, was that <laughs> in the script or was that one of your ideas? No, I think that was added later because we knew we shot a bunch of um, uh, like news conference stuff, and then I think we did we did a whole day. I wasn't even there. We we brought um, James Patrick Stewart, who plays Dick Roman, who by the way is just unbelievably talented. I was so floored by how good this guy was that. You know, he's it, awesome. It, yeah, it was just such a joy because he was cast ahead of time because he was in you know a previous episode. So, 
when I got my script, I, you know, it already had his name on it. So I was like, oh, James Patrick Stewart, cool, you know. Um, and he was great. And, you know, of course I was really excited, you know, to, to have Benito and Cameron back. And it was like, it was great to see, you know, for all of us to see each other again because, um, you know, obviously everybody had seen Hello, Cruel World and, and uh, enjoyed, you know, I mean, er, you know, <laughs> saw, what, saw what we did with those characters. So it was fun to revisit that. Um, but we shot a bunch of montage stuff, and there was, then there was um, – we found a bunch of stock photos that they basically photoshopped. Um, we, I, I, yeah, James, James Patrick's head on to existing footage, you know, uh, still photos. So they created all that in the editing room, and I haven't even seen it yet. We have like a temp version of it. Um, but there was a line. I think Benito, um, Benito, uh, when they when they put Brandon in the cage, and uh, he says, "Burn them." To uh, to his little henchman there, and uh, and and Doctor Gaines goes, well, well, what are you doing? I mean, come on, you know, I'm I'm just in the middle of this experiment, and then of course Benito's line was, unless they cut it out, he says, Dick is coming, and it was yeah. really tough for any of us to kind of get through that without. I mean, you know, you, you do the best you can, and you know, of course Benito's a professional, and he threw it away as much as he could, but it's like he goes, only on this show can I come to work, and that's one of my lines that I say today. And by the way, you know, Benito's he's had a recurring um, arc on Sons of Anarchy, and they didn't tell me but until the day before we started shooting with him that through my entire prep they, we weren't quite sure we were going to have him because of scheduling because they were in first position and they basically had to release him to come up to Vancouver to do his his role. So the entire time during prep I'm assuming that Benito's going to be there. And it wasn't until the day before that Kevin Parks came to me and said, you know, I didn't want to tell you this, but we just now got 100% approval and Benito's on a plane, but we almost had to recast him. So that would have been a that would have been a real bummer because it wouldn't have been Edgar. It would have been you know another Leviathan that we didn't have any connection with. So I'm so glad they didn't tell me because not that I you know could have done anything about it, but I would have been bummed out if if that wouldn't have happened. But but everything ends all's well that ends well, as they say. Mm-hmm. Well, we know how to kill a Leviathan now. You just give them. Just make yeah, well, evidently, yeah, that was a little, that was a term that was kind of funny because it, you know it was it was like something that everybody knew in the Leviathan community that that's how you you basically are able to uh, you know punish somebody is you basically have them eat themselves. But the idea that it's called um, you're bibbing me, yep, bibbing, you know <laughs> that, that that's like they t- he tosses it out like it's common knowledge in that world. That was kind of fun, and also yeah, the whole. Um, the idea that that they're they're um, the only thing that can take them down is like you know whatever the chemical compound for borax is the the household cleaning solution is pretty cool too. So because we've definitely learned that 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 guns and dropping you know two ton cars on them won't kill them. So um, so that was kind of fun to to uh, you know and it wasn't until I saw the, you know the episode where. Um, Sheriff Rhodes is cleaning up, and uh, some of it pours down onto the guy in the basement. Um, that that I that I even realized that 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 you know that was the origins of where that you know they they finally found the Achilles heel of the Leviathan. I'm kind of surprised that Sam and Dean and Bobby aren't carrying around a couple barrels of it in the back of the van. Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, <laughs> yeah, it was also that was also something kind of funny that you know, we kept saying, you know, that. Like, at any moment, the guys, you know, once they said, you know, Dick, Frigg, and Roman, oh, yeah, and there's Edgar. 
why they didn't immediately go, you know, jump in, the, you know, turn the van around and go to Kmart or Walmart or whatever and load up. Um, and that they, you know, when they were up on, the, when they realized that Bobby got snatched and, and taken hostage, that you know they just have, you know, they see this this industrial chemical truck going by in the parking lot, and they go, okay, now you know this is what we got to do. Um, yeah, that that came up a few times, but you know, again, you don't want to tip your hand too much. You don't want to, you don't want to, you know, there has to be some danger that uh, mm-hmm. and and some flaws in your heroes. They can't be 100% smart all the time. Or you wouldn't have a show, or the show would last, you know, ten minutes. Mm. <laughs> and one of the yeah. things I was curious about was um, in the first act, you have the the scene where they're reading the newspaper and everything, and Dean is laying in bed, drinking a beer, being very blasé at that point. Was that to kind of give you a transition to when he's acting? Like, what were your what were your directing notes for that? Was that purposeful? Yeah, I mean, it was sort of scripted that after he's just he's sick of this, you know, being on the run and you know the new IDs and and you know even even though they get this crappy house and they're off the grid and they get some lights on as soon as they you know they they blow the circuit and they go back into black you know the pitch black again. Um, yeah, he's sort of over it. He, you know, it's this is you know he's he's finally hit his breaking point. And then you know there's then you know of course the one thing that kind of you know gets him gets them energized again is the fact that there you know there is a, a bit of a case in, that they can they can you know sink their teeth into um but yeah i mean that was that was all sort of scripted that that he, he you know he bought you know the, the boys come in they or the boys light you know light the place up bobby comes in with a cooler and so you know they've already made a couple trips from the you know whatever van that they've they've been able to you know steal hot wire um you know, with with bed rolls and and you know, basically camping supplies, and they're looking for anything that they can camp out in. And, and there's this whole like sort of abandoned, you know, water damaged house. Um, but yeah, and I, I can't remember. I guess the, the next the next thing that happens is that they uh, they interview Ranger Rick, and uh-huh. uh, this happens to be at a Biggerson's. And and the great thing is, um, the the actor that played Ranger Rick was um, I had originally thought about him for Brandon. Um, he's a friend of mine named uh, Sean Rogerson, and Sean, if any anybody saw Harper's Island, it was just a short-lived, ep- you know, thirteen-episode arc. In episode four, um, Sean's character gets killed off. He played Booth, the nerd, and um, and I would I directed episode four, and I killed him off in in uh, Harper's Island. So we only did four of the thirteen episodes. But Sean and I have remained good friends, and and you know, every time I get up to Vancouver, we meet up. And so when that part came up, I I um, Started to contact the the casting, you know, Heike, and I said I was started, you know, I was going to pitch him for for Brandon, and um, she she had already had him on the list for Ranger Rick, and I thought, okay, cool, that, well, shit, that's a, better, a little better part, I think. Well, maybe not. I mean, they're sort of equal, um, but more memorable because he gets to play the stoned out, you know, you know, just call me Ranger Rick, um, and so Sean ended up getting the part. I mean, I, I you know once I once we read him, put him on tape, he was good, and uh, you know I, I I pushed for him so. Um, and it was fun, you know, for for Sean to play that part because he's he's known Jared and Jensen for a while. I guess he he did in an early I don't know what season it was. He had a small part on Supernatural already, so he knew the boys already, and he'd worked with Jim on on uh, Harper's Island. So all of his scenes were with the three J's. So he was really excited, and uh, um, so that was that was kind of fun a fun thing to do to, is to cast somebody that you you know you're friends with and you know can can uh, can do it. 
Yeah, and again, we got Cameron Bancroft back, who's you know a local Vancouver actor, and just uh, couldn't be a nicer guy. Um, um, speaking of talking about Jared's hand, uh, we've had a couple people ask um, with this with his hand and the scar. Did he have to have his hand made up with the scar every day? Make sure yeah, I mean at this at this point we're kind of playing it as it's in its last stages of healing, and so it's all. I think all Juliana really has to do is just she just paints a red mark on his hand and if we know we're going to she'll touch it up and if she, if she knows it's going to be on camera you know we'll uh we'll touch it up right before we shoot but it's it's only it's like whatever shape that is like a v um it's just it's like red you know just basic makeup it's not it's not a big appliance anymore so it's it's not that big a deal to touch up but yeah i mean anytime we think we're going to see it or he mentions it or something or talk you know talks about it we want to make sure we definitely uh have it as 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 uh, you know, touched up and as ready to go as possible. Mm. I speaking of of Sam um, and his hands and the scar. I I found the scene where he talks about sort of being okay with his problem being Lucifer in his head, and he's remarkably calm and sort of uh, okay with it. And and how bizarre and twisted is is that that he's okay with. Lucifer being his problem. And I kind of get what he was saying that it's sort of, you know, kind of no pun intended, the devil you know, and it's just one thing and he doesn't have a lot. But I thought that was just a really interesting bit of dialogue and seeing how matter-of-fact Sam is about that. Yeah, which, you know, of course, my in my twisted conspiracy mind just means that in the back nine they're all, all hell is going to break loose in in that front. But I don't know. I honestly don't. Um, and I'm not back until March, till episode 22, which is the second to last one. So, um, wow. I think if I think if the audience, I just speaking strictly as a fan, if the audience is lulled into a, a false sense of security, that's when Sarah and Ben and and you know the whole the whole writing staff, you know, and Bob being a part of that too, will absolutely rip the rug out right up from underneath you. So that may come back to uh, you know. That may be a little bit of a foreshadow as to, um, yeah, you think you're fine with it, and the audience thinks you're fine with it, but the reality is you're not. So who knows? I'm, I honestly don't know. I wish I did. Um, I mean, I, of course, I could get insight into all the scripts, but I actually enjoy being a, a member of uh, of the audience, so I, I almost don't want to know. Um, no, but what I am excited about is episode 12, I believe, that they're shooting now, Um my friend Nick Lee, who, as, as you know, I've been trying to get on the show for a while. He's uh, he played Crycheck mm. on X Files. I believe he's. Yay. And, I'm, and I'm sorry if this is a spoiler to anybody, but I don't think a, a casting announcement is that much of a spoiler. But um, Nick's got a really great part, and then a, another good friend of mine who I just directed a week ago on Ringer, Jason Doring, who played uh, Aaron, uh, Aaron Eccles on Veronica Mars, and who I've known since he was a kid, um, since he was like yeah. 14 years old. Um, Jason Doring. Is going to play like the bad guy of that episode, so I, you know, I'm very jealous because that would have been a really fun episode, um, selfishly um, I was, for me to direct. But that, that's the way it works, uh, you, you know. You know uh, but I'm, I'm happy for those guys, cause, uh, cause, yeah, because they're they're great. They're they're both going to you know just knock it out of the park. And you know, I, I texted Cliff and I said, hey, my buddy Jason Doring's coming up, take care of him. And so um, he says, we'll do. So they're gonna they're gonna hook him up. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I love Veronica Mars. She was like my favorite character as, as Logan, and 
and him and Nick Lee is like a dream come true. Yeah, it, it really is. On. And I I knew he told me a couple of weeks. Well, actually, the creators of Ringer, Nicole and Eric, who wrote for uh, for Supernatural last season, told me that um, they were working out the schedule with Ringer so Supernatural could have him for you know whatever amount of days. And then when he came to work. He told me he was coming up to do the show, and I said, well, first of all, you're going to have the best time of your life. Enjoy every second of it because you're just going to, you know, really enjoy, you know, the whole experience. And he told me about, you know, what, what his part was, and uh, it's really going to be fun and, and exciting for him. And, um, yeah, it's good. It's good when that kind of synchronicity happens and, you know, get to get to, you know, see that kind of thing happen. It's fun for me. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good, good thing about the CW and, and Warner Brothers, you can turn on any show and you will see somebody from a show you're familiar with. It's kind of like six degrees of CW. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of interesting. There was some funny thing like you know on Twitter. I follow this uh, the website The Onion, which is a complete like you know parody. Mm-hmm. You know, every every article's a joke, of course. And they their art. The, one of their articles today was that you know for a week all the CW um, casts are going to change places for a week, which I thought was it was just kind of. <laughs> You know, not too close, not too far from like the truth. You know, in a way. But anyway, that was kind of funny. I hope anybody that saw that after I retweeted it didn't think it was serious. But uh, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure everybody gets that as a joke. And and Misha was cast on Ringer too, apparently. So Misha, yeah, I just finished episode twelve. And I think he starts on episode fourteen. And of course, Nicole and Eric came to me, and they were like, they were so excited before it got announced. They said, "You're never going to believe what happened." You know, you know, I was like, what, what, what? So it was very exciting. I was like, oh man, he's gonna have the best time here, because I, I did. I had a real good time with it. it was a, it was a really great cast and crew, and the, the crew I'd worked with, um, at least the camera, lighting, and grip guys I'd worked with on a couple different shows previous. So it was really cool. And, and you know, there's a lot of, you know, and again, the CW, Christopher Palaha, who was on Life Unexpected, was uh, one, one of the stars, and he was a blast. And we got a ton of friends in common. Um, so anyway. That's enough uh, ringer promotion. Um, the show's good, by the way. <laughs> if, you, if you get a chance to check it, it's really check it out. It's really good. It's getting better and better. And um, and uh, I'm I'm again I'm a fan, so I'm I'm watching it week to week. I didn't want to know too much about what happened before my episode, but um, I kind of had to know because it made sense. It made my script make sense. So anyway, enough of that. <laughs> we're huge we're huge Buffy fans, so yeah, we've been watching Ringer since the beginning too. So yeah, great show. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's a, it's a cool premise, and, and um, you know, the, again, you know, great twists and turns and cliffhangers. And, uh, again, what I, the reason we watch these shows, why we're hooked, is uh, is there's always something. And, again, you know, they're, they're, they don't uh, – not everybody has the right smartest answer, and, the, and the, they don't always do the right thing, or, or the show would be ten minutes long. So uh, they're always, there's always something juicy to, to uh, latch onto as a viewer. It maintains the humanity of the characters, where they they feel like they they have flaws, so you can relate a little better. Because how would you yeah. react to the situation? Would yeah. you well, automatically have the answer? Of course not. Yeah, your best you know your best uh, heroes are are flawed, and um, and you know that's that's real life. Nobody's nobody's the perfect person, and if they are, I'm, that scares me because um, <laughs> it's just it's just a, an outward appearance. I mean, um, but anyway. Uh, you know that's just like screenwriting 101 you don't want your 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 heroes to be too perfect or or they're you know again that sort of sense 
that false sense of security is going to get ripped away from you at some point, or at least that's what that's what makes for good storytelling. Now, um, someone asked a question. I was wondering the same thing. The guns that Dick bought are they anything? Were they? Is, is, do you know if there's something special about those guns? You know, I don't think so. I think it was kind of we needed a device to um, to put you know uh, guns in the hands of you know so so um, Dick had a, a weapon literally. Um, I don't think it's going to go any further than that. Um, yeah, you know that was that was that you know I think that was only there as a device to um, to give you know to give Bobby a gun because he would have been had anything everything stripped from him when when the you know when they found him up on the roof you know to give him a gun and to to give Dick a gun so I, th- I think that was only that was it um, a little you know maybe maybe a little too convenient but. Uh, um, they who knows they may come up back up in the future. I think you know the Leviathan thing is a, is a season long arc, so who knows? Now they show Bobby loading one of those guns. So is the gun that Bobby loaded is that the gun that Dick used to shoot him with? Well, Bobby has one. I think Dick takes he, one with him when he when he hears some commotion down there, and that's when the boys break in and start you know attacking the uh, you know Edgar and his crew. And then Dick takes one. We see him put it in his waistband. And then, uh, then Jim jumps up and he, you know, goes through the briefcase and he sees all the, there's some important information there that, as an audience, we don't know, but we know that that it's certainly something very um, that important that that Bobby needs to tell the boys. Of course, he never gets a chance to do it. Um, and there, you know, when he show when when Dick shows us and he opens up the gun, you know, opens up the case that he he won at auction. Um, we see that there's clearly two guns and that, you know, Bobby, while he's reading those plans or whatever they, whatever was in the briefcase and all the files, um, he loads the other one and he takes that one with him. Now that's the one he's able to, he shoots Dick in the back with it when he's got, um, was it, uh, uh, Sam up against the, the you know, the, 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 cra- the, the shelving and that's what enables the guys to get away and get past him. And then he's able to, you know, hold off hold him off long enough for the guys to go get the van. So, um, yeah, so the two guns are accounted for. Um, and, of course, the one that the one that Dick has is the one that, that fires at the van, and we know we all know what happens there. Uh, I, I, I had mentioned while I was watching it, because I actually, I'm in Mountain Standard Time. I had to watch it through Skype uh-huh. uh, on Becky's TV. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> <laughs> I was telling her right after the episode aired that every episode Bobby's in, I'm constantly worried that Bobby's going to be killed off. Right. And so when he jumped into the van, and I was like, oh, thank Like, the, I had this relief, like, oh, okay, he's gotten through another episode, and then he would hold through the, the trucker hat. I was like, that's what I what I stressed about every episode Bobby's, like, majorly featured in. Yeah. And there we had it. Well, yeah, I mean, that was a big, I mean, we all agonized over how are we going to do this where he just gets in the van, is able to close the door behind him, and we have this, fall, again, a false sense of, woof, boy, that was close. And, you know, what way, you know, Jim and I talked about what way he would come in, slam the door, you know, me and Kevin Parks would go down to the van and, and you know, which was sitting out in the parking lot and just, like, go over and over and over. Okay, if he comes in, he he shoots with the right hand, and then he slams the door, you know, he's got to change, he can't put the gun from the right to the left hand so he's got to be able to do this and so 
so you know all that blocking and stuff we talked about over and over, and you know got Jim involved in the, in the you know in the conversation and. I wanted him to land a specific way. And then it, it gets to the point, you know, my episode, right where it ends, um, Bob's episode, episode 710, picks up right where it left off, where mine left off. So we got, in, you know, Bob's up there prepping, so we got him involved in the conversation, what works for him, because his opening scene is going to, you know, was where mine ended. So, um, so it's, it, you know, a lot of that stuff is, goes into it, you know, trying to trying to think of how is it going to look the most, like uh, a near miss, and and that we got away with something again, you know, and uh, so yeah, so a lot went into that, but um, you know, that's what we do. I mean, that's that's uh, that's what the those seven days of prep are for. I think with with you showing the the bullet hole in the hat instead of actually showing Bobby was even more dramatic, you know, because the hat is such an iconic. Thing with Bobby, so yeah, seeing the bullet hole instead of seeing the bloody Bobby, I think is even, uh-huh. even more more emotional. Yeah, and, and and that was scripted, and and you know I, that's you know Ben's just a really great writer, and and um, you know and also now Ben's directed enough to know that you know there's a difference between you know something that that is on the nose and something that's more cinematic, because that's something I would I would pitch as a as a director if it was written, um, and then we see Bobby laying there. You know, and I, you know, I would say something like, "Well, it would be funnier, or not funnier, poor choice of words. It would be more <laughs> impactful if, um, if there's the, the 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 strangeness of of his hat just haphazardly somehow or another landing between the two guys on the floorboard, and one of them notices it, and as he picks it up and says, "Hey, Bobby, you lost your hat." Maybe as an audience, we notice it before our characters do, but of course, the character, you know. And we kind of kept it a little bit of a secret from from uh, Dean a little bit because he's sort of looking at Sam like, what, 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 what's the problem? Because he didn't turn the hat around and show Dean. Of course, we all, you know, knowing that what the opening scene of Seven Ten is going to be, I had that luxury to to know that that uh, you know we could we could get away with that because mere seconds later we're going to pick up where mine ended. Um, but yeah, very you know, very cinematic, and, and it tells it tells a, a, a more it's a more interesting way to tell that story, and um, you know, it, it's it's uh, it's heartbreaking without it being on the nose, and you know, a lot of times you want to do that as a, as a director. It's sometimes the the, mo- the the most interesting stuff that you show is what you don't show. Um, you know, sound effects are, are hugely important in what I do, and what I and because. You know, to hear something, and, and I think the, the way it was scripted and the way my cut I turned in was basically it goes to black, and you hear the guys going Bobby, Bobby, you know. So I think I think that we preserve that. I think that's still in the cut. Yeah. Um, because again, you know, mm-hmm. you're like Alien or Blade, you know, or Blade Runner or whatever Alien. It's it's what you don't see of the monster that's ten times scarier than what you do see. Um, yeah. You know, good horror movies. If you realize Psycho, you never see the shower scene. You never see the knife go enter, you know, into the flesh. It's all done in sound effects and quick cuts, and you know, blood circling the drain. It's all, um, it's all implied, and that's the art of cinema. That's what makes it an art. Ultimately, is that you know, sometimes the the, the most impactful things are the things that you don't see, and you hear. You never saw the shark and jaws for about half the movie. 
Yeah, well, you know, and there you go. I mean, it it, it, it didn't work. It kept breaking. They would they would mm-hmm. you know they'd be all set up to shoot a shot of it popping out and and it just wouldn't you know they'd roll camera and nothing would happen. Right. And so necessity made it where they couldn't see it and and that actually worked to the advantage of what why it's such a scary movie because it's implied and and you know you see those little yellow barrels pop up or you just see the fin and that tells a much better story than if you saw the whole thing top to bottom 18 feet long or whatever it was supposed to be you know you see enough of it and um you know that's uh again what sort of what makes it an art yeah Sam and Dean sound very anguished at the end. Like you were saying, we can't see them, but we can hear in their voice. It must be terrible. Yeah, and I'm dying. Right. I mean, you know, look, we got to wait two weeks now for 710. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, but, uh, it, you know, and I'm sure it's going to pay off well. I mean, I read 710. I think I was at my desk one day, one of my last days of prep, and I, wanted, I read it, and, um, you know, it's a, Sarah Gamble wrote it, and it's uh, – it's unbelievably heart wrenching and, and really, really well done. I mean, just whether whether it's an episode of supernatural or not, it's just a really well crafted, interesting. And you know, and I know, I know, um, and, a, and you know, a, a good friend of mine um, got cast to, to be in it as well, so I was excited about that. But um, I'm really looking forward to that episode because it was such a great script. And and then I actually got to shoot two scenes for Bob because. There was one in the woods when we were way out, you know, we shot at this, um, it's actually a paintball facility where they, they open the place up, it's private land, so we don't have the restrictions that we would if we were on, you know, in uh, like a private, or, or a, uh, a park, where we'd have a ranger selling us, we couldn't, you know, move the, you know, we couldn't move the dirt there because that's a protected special route or something. This place was completely private and we, you know, basically had run of the place. And, uh, you know, we just had to cover up some of the paintball marks that were on the trees. But um, we were way out, I mean, you know, an hour and a half outside of downtown Vancouver. So I ended up shooting one scene for Bob out there, and then um, I shot I shot another scene um, that will be, you know, it's pretty, pretty it'll be near the beginning of 710 with, uh, with Dick Roman and his uh, secretary. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it's it's really good and it's going to be a fun ride and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it in two weeks. Two weeks. Which which scene in this episode was the hardest one to shoot? Oh, say that one more time. Which which part of this episode was the hardest part to shoot? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, there was there was some stuff because we had visual effects. I think any of the stuff where the guys. The guys come in with those big, uh, you know, those pump-up, like, exterminator size uh, things of borax, and they're squirting the um, yeah, Edgar and his henchmen. Or when when Sam's being backed up by Dick and he's squirting him, and Dean comes out from, you know, from the side and pours the borax on him. Because, you know, we're dealing, I mean, you know, obviously those things are just filled with water, but, um, you know, we're, we're envisioning smoke and you know the effects that it's going to have on the skin of of um dick roman and, and all the henchmen edgar and, and whatnot that stuff is always hard for me to shoot because it's like i think it's you know i mean i have ivan there but i'm not i'm, I'm sort of not positive exactly what it's going to look like so i you know i uh so that just for that for for no other reason than that it's it's hard for me and i you know and i'll see the, the finished visual effects tonight right i guess in a half hour that's pretty cool Oh, good. Well, you know, I 
you know, those, those guys, Ivan and his team, always deliver, so I'm, I'm never worried about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, for no, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't nothing too, nothing too difficult. I mean, the day we shot out in the forest where we did all the the stuff with the, you know, where the guys were hunting, and that was a really long day because it was a, you know, it was half day and half night, and it was just a ton of work, and it was with the three guys, and then we also had Sean out there, Ranger Rick, and we had, uh, you know, the the scene where they shoot the monster out of the out of the tree. Um, and I think that day we went till about midnight, one o'clock, and then the guys got on a really f- early flight on Saturday. That was a Friday on a Saturday morning. They flew to Toronto for the convention there. So um, they weren't complaining though. They were they were they were everybody was in, in pretty good spirits because I think we had a three day weekend. I think that was uh, Canadian Thanksgiving, so we had Monday off. So it was uh, everybody was excited about having a three day weekend. That was a beautiful scene. Um, the hunting at night with the their flash, just the flashlights and the dark yeah. forest, and very eerie and beautiful. And then it's all of a sudden, you know, it's like you know, shut, you no, know, shut off, uh, yeah. shut up, and it shut down. It was wonderful. Yeah. Well, it was fun to see him in his element and like you know, knowing that you know, like we, the idea was that he he didn't really need to see it. He could hear it. He could sense it. That's what a hunter does. And um, yeah, I mean that that you know the way the forest looked at night was you know there's tons of lighting going on, but you know it's 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 either a beautiful or b you know so sublime and that you don't really you're not realizing that there's tons of you know cranes and lights and um, again you know just uh, you know Chris Cochran who's who's Serge's gaffer who's been on the show since day one and, and Harvey Fedor who's the key grip those guys are just so good they've been doing this together so long and uh, it's just it's you know, it's it's an extremely well-oiled machine, and, and um, there's never any angst. I mean, they you know they want as much when we prep or you know do our tech scout. They they want as much detail out of me, so they can't they they so that it lessens their chance of getting caught with their pants down when I go. Well, we're going to look this way. We're going to look this way. So hopefully, the more I have my stuff together, the easier it makes their um their life when they get there because they you know they want to get all that stuff set up. So when they go, okay, it's night. Let's make it. You know, let's let's light it up. The cranes go up and the lights go on and we're lit. The last thing they want is for me to go. Well, no, I kind of want to be over here. And now they, you know, now there's there's stuff in the shot that shouldn't be in the shot. And we now we got to move stuff because it just shoots my. I, I would just shoot myself in the foot because it would just basically be, you know, okay, we can do that, but it's going to be a half hour. So hopefully, the more I've, the you know, longer I do this, the more I have my stuff together and they. Um, they're able, you know, stick to a plan, and we execute it. And um, and I feel comfortable with those guys that that um, I can say, yeah, this is where we're going to be, and, um, and and it happens. It was also pretty cool. The the glamper who at first looked right side up, but then as it spun around, right. you know, you realize that he's hanging in the tree. Right, right, and that's a stunt man. I mean, we. Uh, He's an old friend of Lou Bolos, who is a guy that that is um, a gymnast who's familiar with hanging upside down. Because you cast an actor to do that, a lot, not a lot of people are comfortable with hanging upside down. All the blood rushes to your head, and it's not a, a happy place to be. And we had to, you know, position a crane out there, and we had to position we had to position lights, and we also had to position where the crane that has the camera on it was to be set up as well. So it was. Uh, so that, that worked out good though. That was my my ninth day. It was only like a half a day, but it was the it was the first day of seven ten and and um, 
you know, sort of my, my extra bonus day and uh, Brad Creaser shot all that stuff, all the stuff with the glampers, the whole teaser. Um, and we started about 6 p.m. right as the sun was going down and went till well, it was a little bit after midnight, I think, by the time we finished 1, 1.30 maybe. And then I got on a 9 a.m. flight and flew home to L.A. And then, yeah, then less than 24 hours later, I was in Chicago for the uh, convention. So that was that was a little crazy <clears throat> couple of days there. Yep. Yeah, standing in for Matt Cohen, who didn't almost make his party. Yeah, that was, was even crazy. That was even crazier because I wasn't planning on like doing any of that stuff till Sunday. So to to get off the plane and like 45 minutes later be up there talking to everybody was was a little whirlwind. But I yeah. think we did all right. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, it was great. We by bonus you, you pretty much you know you bookended the convention. You started it and and uh, you finished. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was wondering, because um, Jim Michaels tweeted that this episode you all had the same complex for five days in a row. Which yeah, yeah, that was that happened. was that was great because it's a show that normally you know moves around a lot, and we were able to find you know we shot all the Biggersons there, we shot all of the anything that was like the the the, the warehouse that the Leviathans took over where they did the experiments. Um, uh, we shot. Dick Roman's office. We shot all the rooftop stuff, um, and they had been there previous on time for a wedding because I think there was a like when the chandelier falls and almost kills the lady, um, where Dean you know, Dean pushes her out of the way at the last minute. Mm-hmm. In the previous yeah. episode, they they had shot that at the same. It was there's an area outside of Vancouver called Anasis Island, and it's an island literally. You know, you'd go over a bridge to uh, to get to it. And it's um, it was a formerly like a 3M factory where they made like post-it notes or something, and so um, yeah, we basically took it over for for you know they they had already been there for those few days on um, the previous episode, and then yeah, we were there, we parked there for five days, so it was it was nice because you know we just by going to different floors and different areas of the place, you know all the all the surveillance stuff we just shot by moving around the building. Uh, it all worked out. I mean, everybody was uh, pretty stoked about being in the same place for five days. And I think we also had like a few few days on stage, obviously. And then um, I'm trying to think where else. You know, the forest was 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 way out. It was like an hour and a half, like in an area called White Rock. So that was a little bit of hike of a hike out there, but um, it went pretty smooth. I love the name of the Law Center, um, N.E. Law Center. Yeah, you know, I'm not quite sure. I kept thinking back, you know, what, how that, because we just needed, you know, for for the, for Brandon to attack that girl. It was just supposed to be a generic, like, you know, uh, a professional woman who was walking to her car late at night. Um, and I'm not sure. I mean, maybe Jerry has some insight as to what what that um, stood for. Or stands for. I never, I, 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 you know, I can't remember. I'm sure at some point. Meant, I just thought it meant like a generic law center. It's any law center. Yeah, I mean, maybe that was it. I, I can't remember now. Um, and by the way, you probably can't bug Jerry right now because he is prepping episode 13 to direct. It'll be his directorial debut, which I'm really excited about. About, um, you know, I knew when I got there to do 709, they had just, uh, you know, moved him into that slot. So. Um, very excited for him. He's an incredibly talented guy. I'm a big fan, and so um, I'm excited for him. 
We had Jerry. We had Jerry on our podcast once. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's as good as they get. I mean, I had the best time when when I was up there prepping this episode. Um, Hello, Crew World aired, and so um, knowing that I was going to have to watch it, um, or I don't know, maybe he didn't know, but I knew he had recorded it, and it was uh, he had a really you know nice HD signal and. So he goes, look, I'm I'm recording it at six. Come on over about seven. We'll have some beers and we'll watch it. And so it was nice to sit and watch it with him because like all the stuff that we had prepped and it was, it was really cool to watch it with him. And then you know we were able to like we could pause it and talk a little bit, then let it go again. So that was fun. Right, Is there any? Yeah, you're up. It's a twenty minutes, I think, for you. All right, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, was, was there, you know, any gag worthy things? You know, um, I'm sure there was, or there always is. Um, yeah, getting stuck in that van, all those hours, I think, uh, you know, all that stuff we shot in there, I remember laughing a lot during, during that's, you know, those, all those scenes. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that you know, like the the whole act one where they're where they're in the in the abandoned house. I think there was some really funny stuff. <clears throat> I can't remember th- anything offhand right now, but I'm sure there was some good stuff. We lost Vinny. Her phone dropped. She just texted me. Her phone dropped, so she's gonna try and call back in. Oh, say that one more time. She lost Vinny. <laughs> she uh, Vinny's phone dropped, so she's gonna try and call back in. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, there she is. Hey, Vinny. Hello. You're back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we missed you. So, this, it, it was just uh, amazing. That, the ending, I'm telling you, this is just, this episode just has me all shaken up. <laughs> yeah, it was it was tough, and you know, look, I know that um, you know shooting it for Jim was 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 pretty emotional, and uh, I know he wasn't, yeah, you know, it was again, it was sort of bittersweet. And I don't remember getting too too you know sappy or or, or sad about a- any of the stuff, and you know, he was right, right along on the ride with me for um, you know the death imagery and foreshadowing and all that stuff, and then the the scene that we did out in the forest that I did for Bob's episode. Um, is is really you know really interesting and and that was the one that if anything that was the one that got me a little more emotional than than even you know the ending scene in the van. Uh, so yeah, again you'll have to see you have to wait two weeks to see that but uh, but uh, you know it was it was yeah I mean he he, mm-hmm. he 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 picked out that blue hat specifically you know um, he came in in a wardrobe and they you know they sort of picked out that that outfit for you know for the for the hunting and. And um, the blue hat being like sort of an iconic. I'm not sure what the symbol, if there's any symbolism to that at all, but it was it was certainly something that he felt um, you know strong about for the for the because um, we knew that that was the one where we had to you know put the hole in for the ending. Um, yeah, it was tough. It was it was t- you know, and it's like of course everyone's like, God, you know, the fans are going to hate you first first Misha, then Bobby's house, and now. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, but you know, I don't write these. Uh, uh, um, yeah, so, so you know, 
but I do have, I honestly do have like high hopes that, you know, that there's never complete 100% endings for any character on that show, uh, and they've proven that. I mean, you know, the, obviously the only thing that stops you from being coming back is your your um, schedule and becoming a movie star, like with Jeffrey Dean Morgan. But uh, anything's possible. I I keep feeling like you're trying to prepare us for something. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I mean, I, like I said, I read seven ten. I read seven ten, and I know just because Kevin was prep. You know, he Kevin does every other episode, so he you know, obviously he was with me. But while he was with me, he was on the weekends and stuff. He was prepping seven eleven. So I kind of know what's going on with that, but I didn't read it, so I, I don't know for sure. But uh, we'll see. I mean, I, I'm I'm as curious as anybody about sort of the future and, and you know what what's what's coming up and how it's gonna, especially you know when we get to 7:22. Obviously, I'm very keen to know what's gonna go on that far ahead, but it's way too early for that. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be something almost a finale. <laughs> yeah, it's the it, it should be the second to last one because I think they're gonna do total of 23. And, yes. Uh, yeah, so that'll, that'll be fun. In fact, I was supposed to do 21, 721, and um, when they got the extra episode, they called my agent and said, um, you know, is are we okay to push you guys 10 days and bring you into 722, which I, t- I took as a compliment because I- I'm assuming that it's the part one of the two-part season finale, much like Hello, Cruel World was the part two of the of, of the two-part season opener. So I, you know, I, I'm taking that as a compliment. So yeah, I said absolutely. Yeah, it pushed me ten days. I don't, you know, I'm cool with that. So um, so yeah, move me from the, the beginning. What's that? Uh, hopefully, it won't be part one of the series finale. I'm, I'm. No, a season. I mean, pretty optimistic that's not going to happen. But yeah, I think I think uh, I, you know all I can say is Smallville went ten years. That's all I can say over and over. <laughs> you know, I think I think uh, I think the CW and Warner Brothers knows that. That there's a, a strong and loyal um, fandom all over the planet, and um, that it's a, it, the show always delivers and always um, will have an audience as long as as long as everybody wants to keep making it. We know there's, or at least I, I you know, I'm pretty confident there's an audience that wants to keep watching it, and uh, and that's that's what you look for. And the CW doesn't have as high standards as like you know ABC or NBC or CBS, so they're um, they're uh, you know I, I don't think you have to worry. I mean you know. Yeah, the numbers aren't through the roof, and it doesn't, you know, rip up the the ratings every week. But I don't think that it's a different criteria that they go by on the CW. So I wouldn't be worried. And for the whole season, the ratings have been completely consistent. So everybody's sticking with it. Of course, mm-hmm. and you know, also because it's on a Friday night, this is one of those shows that. Anybody that I know is a fan is like, well, I try and watch it on Friday nights, but I always record it and watch it by Sunday. Yeah. I think I think in this day and age, you know, you can't really go by what a typical, you know, the uh, Nielsen ratings, what we've gone by for, which is such an antiquated, it's incredibly outdated system. And I think that you know that there's there is a, a system now that they do take into consideration, you know, live versus um, recorded and played back. And I think um, I think that you know the people that need to know know that this is like a, a DVR darling where people record it, and and also that it syndicates well. I mean, all across the every corner of this planet, 
people watch the show and they're and they they're loyal to it and love it to death and you know we'll definitely buy the DVD box set at the end of the year and I think that's a powerful thing and um, it's a sure thing which is you know pretty rare in in, uh, in this day and age where people are so fickle where you know shows come and go quickly I mean look you know Playboy Club Charlie's Angels those shows came and went like fast um, but. You know, here you have a consistent sort of um, built-in audience and, um, and a worldwide fan favorite. So that's that's all good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're working on winning those People's Choice Awards right now. Yeah, well, you know, look, I mean, little things like that um, is is a complete, you know, it, 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 it's a it's a indicator that to the people that need to know that that there's there's a loyal fandom out there that is um is fierce and and um there may not be you know tons of people but the people that that are fans are like super fans like over the top huge fans and um and I think uh I think I think you know again the people that need to know that kind of thing the execs that that control the destiny of these shows they they know they and they and they take they they take uh you know, they, 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 it's, it's important to them, and they, and they know, and, and uh, so that's a good thing. So keep on being good fans, because uh, I think they, uh, they, you know, they're definitely there's somebody out there listening and watching, and 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 taking, uh, take taking note of of the loyalty and the love for the show. Mm-hmm. So everybody there deserves it. Everybody, you know, the big supernatural family. Casting crew up there, you deserve yeah. it. It is. It's a re- it's a real family, and it's like when I get you know when I go up there to do that show, it's like I'm completely accepted as as you know a, a part of the Motley crew, and and um, there's a lot of love, and I you know it's like it's it's a great feeling to come in and do a show, and and or you know cause look every day is a mountain of work, but it's a lot nicer to do work with your family than with people that you're not happy being with. And the difference is, I think everybody has a genuine love for each other and a joy to be there, and and um, you know, and the guys. I mean, look, I you know, I, I've done shows with the first season, and and you have actors that are like, you know, they just want to, you know, what time are we finishing today? You know, and just you know, they're they're sort of over it, and it's the first season. And I can tell you that Jared and Jensen are not like that. And here's the season seven, and like I said, you know, those guys had an early flight on on a Saturday morning to head to. Uh, Toronto, and uh, we were shooting till 12.30, a.m. on a Friday night. They still had an hour and a half drive back to the city, and uh, everybody was fine with it. You know, and, and I'm, you know, I'm, of course, it's weighing heavy on me. I'm like, oh, I'm trying to get you guys out of here. We just got to get this one shot, and then I can do this shot with this. And and the, the boys looked at me like, whatever, whatever you need, man. We're here for you. We're here. Don't worry about it. So um, it's a, it's a, it's, it, it makes it a hell of a lot easier to um, to do your job when when everybody's heart's in the right place and, and it is big time with that show consistently you got 10 minutes before the episode there guy <laughs> all right <laughs> well give me yeah let me you know, give me like five minutes to run downstairs and uh, I, I don't think lulu's still up but if she is she's probably watching good luck charlie right now which is a disney show i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> Are you um? Are you signed up for any more conventions yet? No, I, I assume that they're probably putting their budgets and schedules together for 2012 
but no, I haven't been contacted yet. I, you know, obviously the one that's going to be in Burbank in March, I should be here for because I don't go back up to Vancouver till the 16th of March, so I should be here. <laughs> and uh, you know, we'll see if uh, I, I heard that they moved the Nashville one until February. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, you know, look, if I'm available, I, you know, I'm open to, to doing any of that, any of that stuff. It's always a good time and and uh, it's fun to hang out with everybody. But um, yeah, so far I haven't heard anything. So. But you know, look. I mean, you, you know, they they want to get the the, the the guys there, and and uh, you know, that's sort of the. I, I'm sure I'm way down on the list of priorities. So um, once they get all the, uh, you know, all the whoever the guest stars and and everybody sorted out, I'm, you know, I I who knows? They'll either call or they won't. They won't. <laughs> well, I just like having you do panels because it's the same reason having you on the podcast because you're behind the camera. And that insight is that's fascinating for me, and I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting. Yeah, because like you know, probably up until about a year ago when I did the the podcast for um, Family Matters, I honestly didn't think. I mean, every once in a while, I would get some kind of like thing on Facebook from somebody that you know was a fan of Terminator or Criminal Minds or Jericho or Veronica Mars or something. But uh, I wasn't aware, and I knew that I sort of knew that there were, the conventions existed for Supernatural, but I didn't know to what extent. I just assumed it was like you know a hundred people standing around. And but <laughs> I was absolutely floored. I guess it was last February when they, the, the last LA convention. Cliff said, "You got to come down and check this out," and uh, I was just completely floored that that you know there was that much of an interest. And then when they contacted me about coming. Based on all of you guys and being, they got bombarded on Twitter to uh, to invite me to the Nashville one. Um, I really wasn't. I, I had no like sort of concept that people really cared about, you know, what I did or behind the scenes stuff. I know it's interesting and it's fun to see like behind the scenes pictures every now and again, but to the level that, you know, you know, I think at, at Chicago in the Chicago convention, I was trying to like. I got there like literally right off the plane, threw all my luggage backstage and got up on stage, and then I was trying to head back to check in, and I got stuck in a corner for about two hours, just talking and answering questions and taking pictures. It's like two hours just flew by, and, and you know everybody had really great, interesting questions, and and you know I always feel like if 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 I got answers, then I'll I'll answer. So it was kind of it's kind of funny because like two hours just flew by, and I'm like maybe I should go put my stuff up in my room now. But, uh, anyway. Look, I, I'm sorry, guy. I was one of those people who got <laughs> you in the car in the back. At least I gave you a T-shirt. <laughs> you did, and I, I wore it the other day. Um, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It was it, yeah, but that's but that that's fun. I mean, you know, because nobody's more. Everybody was more, just excited to see you and wanted to talk, and I, I guess that's a, that's a good thing. Yeah, no, it's it's you know, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm floored by the interest in uh, in in what what I do. Um, and you know it's this, the the show's the little engine that could. I mean, you know, just just when you think, uh, you know, that that okay, this might be the last season. I think you know, it's it's just going to keep on going and going. Again, Smallville, ten years. So, I think uh, mm-hmm. I think that's a good uh, good thing to always remember. <laughs> right. And just so you know, guy, your podcast always bring in more listeners than anybody else's. <laughs> well. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I can't explain that, but uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, and so you know, somebody asked me on Twitter the other day that because last, I guess last week's episode, and I knew this because I read the read the script and it was there a little bit while they were shooting. 
the uh, crossroads demon they named Guy. Mm-hmm. Then, they, then they asked me if right. they. If they named him after me, I said no. But you know what? I, if they, I don't. If whether they did or not, I'm taking that as a compliment because it's like eh, that's pretty cool. You know, it's uh, mm-hmm. that's pretty. And then somebody else said um, when the bees were buzzing around Dean's head in, uh, I guess Doctor Phil, it's like you know they had bees flying around. And, uh, you know, so I don't know. I don't know if you guys are reading way into this or, but uh, <laughs> but that, that was pretty cool. You can't put it it past these writers because they stick in all kinds of things to. Well, that that was it, you know. What Ranger Rick? Yeah. Well, that was what we were shooting. You know, my episode. Um, this is something about Ranger Rick. Uh, Ranger Rick says something about you know, you know, me and Phil went up to the you know then you know one of the producers and directors is Phil, right? So all we see is Phil's arm. So I don't know if that was a good thing or not, but. yeah, I find that interesting. There's little, there's always little like uh, things that they put in there. And somebody said there was a uh, uh, office space reference in the episode tonight. I can't remember what that would have been. I'm sure it was in there somewhere. Um, like I for, totally forgot that one man wolf pack from Frontierland was a Hangover reference. That uh, I guess that was his Zach Galifianakis line. I'm a, like a wolf, I'm a one man wolf pack or something. Anyway. All right. Well, I'm gonna head downstairs and and crank up the uh, the the, uh, the big screen. We might have to abscond it away from Lulu, though. <laughs> in, well, enjoy your work. <laughs> we did. <laughs> yeah. Enjoyed the episode. Thank you so much for being on the podcast tonight and and talking to us and telling us about everything. Even if you have given us a, a fright over Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. Uh, Hopefully it'll be one of those episodes that's memorable. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, as always, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate the the interest, and uh, it's always fun to answer questions. And uh, hopefully, uh, it wasn't too boring, and I didn't say uh too many times. No, <laughs> it's great. It's always great. All right, guys. Well, maybe I'll see you guys in Nashville and or uh, Burbank in the future. And uh, and you can always you can always find me on Twitter if you if there's any questions that. We missed or anything. You can always find you guys can always find me on Twitter. And if I and if I can, if I if 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 I don't answer a question, it's nothing personal. It's just that I either didn't see it or. Mm-hmm. But uh, if I can answer, I definitely will. Great. Thank you. All right, guys. See ya. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Have fun. Bye. Ooh. That was a great show with Guy, but now I'm just terrified for Bobby. I, I wasn't before, but now I am. Yeah, I know. I, I, this is, he's got me scared. <laughs> I know. He keeps talking, well, I put all these death references, and, you know, nobody ever really dies on Supernatural. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> it's Bobby. yet. <laughs> I, I know, and I, I, you know, we're supposed to assume. I think it's a pretty good assumption that Bobby's been shot in the head with a hole in the, his hat. I, I don't know unless he's been hit more than once, and it just went through the hat, and the hat flew off, and he shot somewhere else entirely, which could happen. And of course, you can survive um, being uh, shot in the head, but. Uh, was hit because of the, the preview for next week there. Yeah, they showed a bloody bloody head in the preview. And, you mm. know, 
to take place all in a hospital, so we shall yeah. see, unless that's just misdirection. Yeah, I, well, yeah, I just I I I don't know. It's hard to imagine them without Bobby. I mean, I mean, even they spent a whole season without Bobby. The first season, it's you know he survived for so long. And like I said, I've been constant. Every episode where Bobby has a significant role, I'm constantly going, "Oh God, is this it? Is this it? Is this it?" Mm-hmm. They love to tease us with putting him in in peril. Mm-hmm. We'll just have to be patient and see. And then, you know, we have a a week where we're not getting an episode. Yeah, that figures. It's a huge, huge ending like this. And it's bad enough to wait a week, but two weeks at least. This isn't the episode before the the holiday hiatus when they won't be back until January. We have no idea the next episode could also end on kind of a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. So, and then we really will have a month to wait. Yikes! Well, I'm going to go ahead and jump off because I have a recap to write. Okay. Um, no, I know it's pushing midnight where you guys are. Yeah, it's midnight our time. Um, is there anything else we want to say quickly? We mentioned vote, vote, vote for People's Choice Awards. Um, Becky, any site news or anything else? Any show? I should say that uh, this podcast, we've been recorded uh, for uh, an hour and a half. Uh, if you didn't listen live, that's okay because you can uh, always download us. You can find us through winchesterrose.com. Click on the Winchester Radio icon. We're at blogtalkradio.com, Media Boulevard. Uh, You can find us at Winchester Bros on Facebook and Twitter. We always post reminders and links for uh, all our shows. And you can also download us through iTunes. Um, Thank you so much for listening to us tonight. Hope you had a a great time listening to Guy B. He's always a fantastic guest. Becky, you got any other news to mention uh, or anything about the episode you want to bring up? Well, no, I don't, we don't have anything else going on right now. Um, I have nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I know, it's a lot. I just, uh, you know, still got the, the fundraiser for St. Jude, so baby, yep. baby Padalecki is born. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, that's basically the only thing we have going on um, right now. We will be having some new options um, either in December or maybe after the holidays. Uh, we've got some more great stuff to auction for charity, so we'll be doing that sometime soon. Okay, yep. If you need Christmas presents, our auction would be a good time to get them and uh, help out charity too. So that's it. Okay, Uh, I guess that's it. It's a great episode, and we'll see y'all in about two weeks to talk about the next episode, and hopefully it will not be a memorial service for Bobby Singer. (laughs) Let's think positive. All right, Uh, thanks, you guys. It was a great time.
Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye.